I'm glad you guys are here. My name is Chris Neal, for those of you that don't know me. Uh, I'm the associate pastor here at Grace. I also get to partner with the men here of Grace to, to lead the men's ministry. And man, I've been at a retreat for the last four days with like 20 men from Grace, which is a good thing they're there. Well, this place would be great. Yeah, give it up for them. If you guys are in trouble, I'm on fire today. I can tell you right now, you're in trouble. Oh, and welcome back online. We're glad to have you here this morning. But those men at the retreat, they actually, most of them were already doing something. And then they went to the retreat, right? They were already involved in a group or a small group or something like that. And so the next men's retreat is in September. But you do not have to wait until September to get involved. So I just wanted to let that, let's put that out there. But I'm glad everyone's here this morning. Man, this is a great crowd. Yes, I love it. And so we're in week three of Genesis. And for those of you that have been following along, we've talked about creation. And we've talked last week about, about how we were all made in God's image. And we've started to see already in the first couple of pages of Genesis that there's a story about this man named Jesus that's kind of woven in the whole Old Testament and really throughout the entire Bible. And today, I have the pleasure of talking about the fall of humanity with you. Thank you. And so Tommy loves to leave me all the fun, happy messages to do. But it turns out this message is in my wheelhouse, because I know a thing or two about falling. Some of you know this. Some of you may not know this. But in 2001, I had a horrible accident, fell off of a roof. It was before I was a pastor, so that explains a lot of stuff. <laughs> but it almost killed me. And then, though, on December 8th of 2007, I met my beautiful wife, Katie, on our first date. Yes, I even saved the movie ticket because I knew there was just something special about her. It wasn't to get back in free the next movie. No, it was because I knew that she was special. And she's been slowly killing me in another way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's my best friend. And living with her is like heaven on earth. So I already know. Like, I already know what happened. <laughs> but today, we're going to talk about the fall of humanity. So, not to be a downer. But it's really the story of how humanity chose to rebel against God. That's what this story is really about. And so, for a little recap here. In, in Genesis 1, we saw this darkness and disorder and this chaos. And then God, through his creation, he brings order to the chaos. And also in Genesis 1, we see where God uses this word good over and over and over again. And in Genesis 1, when God is done creating everything, he looked over everything that he had created and he saw, remember that word, he saw that everything he had created was, was very good, yes. And in this repetition of the word good, like we see this pattern that God gets to decide what is good and what is not good. In Genesis 1, we see that God, at this point in the story, is the only one who is the knower and the provider of everything good. And then in Genesis 2, we see God start to interact with his creation. He starts to interact with, with, the, with Adam. And there's like hanging out and having fun. And this is where we pick up the story. And the Lord God 
took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. And this, this introduces into the story a twist. Because up until this point, God has been the only one that is the knower and provider of what is good. And now for the first time in human history, it would seem that God is making knowing good and knowing not good available to someone other than God. And you ask, well, why did God have to put the tree right there in the middle of a garden? Like, why does God have to have this tree right in front of Adam? And it's kind of like if you gave Tommy a can of Altoids <laughs> and you put them on his desk and said, don't touch them, don't eat them. And you could even turn around and crunch, 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 right? But the tree had to be there because God wants people that will choose to love him. And God wants people that will choose, this is a tough one, to obey him. And God wants people who will choose to trust him. And God says to Adam, he said, man, remember this is from last week. Just enjoy everything in the garden. But this tree in the middle of the garden, do not touch it. Do not eat for it. And this sets up some good tension for us, right, in the story. And so I want to explain it a little bit like this this morning. Do any of you have kids? Have any of you interacted with a kid or seen a kid? It's <laughs> pretty much everybody. Online, hashtag kids. <laughs> so I have a 10-year-old girl and a 7-year-old boy. And my wife Katie and I, we try to decide what is good and what is not good for them. Probably happens over here in the youth all the time. And when I tell my daughter Avery, she huffs, and then she rolls her eyes, and she rolls her eyes so hard, they actually come out of her head, and they get stuck on the ceiling. So me being the good dad I am, I grab her eyes, and I shove them back in her head. It's clear as yeah, That's probably not the best, but that's, you know, that's my parenting style. <laughs> and then my son Caleb, he's at this point where, like, when you tell him something, he says, okay, but he says it. Like he, like rays of light from heaven come down on him, right? It's like, my, he's my golden child. And like, he's just going to do <laughs> whatever it is you tell him to do. And then you walk off and you come back two minutes later. He's just doing whatever the heck he wants to do. Uh, what are you doing? I said, stop doing that. And he goes, okay. <laughs> no, really? Stop. <laughs> this is not good for you. And even though we have been like good to them, their whole lives, and, and we're their mom and dad, and, and we're trying to, to really give them good things. There's just something in them that makes them want to kind of test and decide what is good and what is not good for themselves. It's like this thing is really inside all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, and we see something we think is good. And then we just kind of take it for ourselves. But this tree in the middle of the garden, man, it puts some tension in the story, right? Because now the possibility of knowing what is good and what is not good, it's available to humanity. That tree has to be there because God doesn't want mindless robots. He wants people that will choose to love and to trust him. And this sets the stage for our story today of Adam and Eve 
in Genesis chapter 3. And it might help you to think of it a little bit like this. Pretend you're watching a Netflix movie on Genesis, okay? And you've been kind of watching from way up here, watching all this stuff be created and everything, kind of like Google Earth. But now, all of a sudden, the camera is coming down and zooming in on the interactions of the characters in chapter 3. And the first interaction is the serpent and the woman. Now, the serpent, he was crafty, craftier than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree, any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And if you touch it, you will die. Serpent, he says, you will not certainly die, he said to the woman, for God knows when you eat from this tree that your your eyes. So God looked over his creation. He saw that everything was good. And he is the provider of good. But now, the serpent says, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we see in this scene, this interaction between this serpent and this woman. And the serpent is the deceiver. But he doesn't just go up to Eve and say, disobey God. Just go eat that fruit real quick. Hurry before God gets back. Whatever it is. No, he plants these, these seeds of doubt and distrust. He said, did God really say, do not eat from any tree? And these seeds of doubt and distrust, they're, they're planted in the mind of Eve. And they start growing in the mind of Eve. And she starts to believe that maybe, maybe God is really holding something out on her that is very good. And the serpent goes on to say, If you eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And through this interaction, the serpent, he's tempting her. And for the first time in all of creation, it's almost like the world would stop for just a second. And the serpent is offering Eve, offering humanity a new way to rule the world. So instead of partnering with God and trusting in God and and letting him help us decide what is good, what if we just see what we think is good and we take it for ourselves? And then the camera zooms in to the next scene, and it's the woman in the tree. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye... And also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was right there with her. And in the Hebrew, it basically means their elbows are touching. And so Eve gets a hard, you know, rap. But Adam was right there passively doing nothing as the world was literally falling apart. Okay? That's all I'm saying. But we see this camera go into slow motion as every detail is traced out for these characters. And we see this woman who sees what is good and she takes what she thinks is good and she eats what she thinks is good. 
And then the woman becomes the deceiver to her husband, even though he had already seen all this unfold. And her husband eats it. And in this first scene, the people of God choose to exalt themselves to the same level as God. They failed the test, right? Because they started to believe that maybe, just maybe, God really is holding something out on me that is very good. And this is really one of the first huge tragedies in creation. Because as we learned last week, Adam and Eve were already created in the image of God. They didn't need to be exalted. They were already created in the image of God. But they chose to doubt and distrust God's good provision for them. They sought to exalt themselves. And if you're really honest with yourself, I mean, this is really kind of the story of our lives. It's the story of Genesis for sure. And in a huge turn of irony, in their attempt to make their lives greater, they actually made their lives less. They traded this partnership and this, and this communion with God and this opportunity like to cultivate God's goodness and to live in his presence right there in the garden for this counterfeit version. Because God's purpose was good. And God had a great plan for them. But humanity rebelled. And the consequence of, of that is eventually death. And that's hard to say, right? And it's hard to take in. And this fall narrative, it's heavy. And its impact is immediate. And its impact is resounding. And the effects of the fall, they, they go out through, through history. And they're impacting our lives today. The first thing is we see, we see this woman who can't pick where she wants to eat because she always says, I don't know, I don't care. Because the last time a woman picked someplace to eat, she doomed all of humanity. <laughs> That's hashtag funny right there. <laughs> but Genesis 3, because <laughs> the ladies get a bad rap in there, but Adam was there with her. Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> but in Genesis 3, here's the immediate effects of the fall. 3, 8 through 11. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Afraid because I was, that's funny. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from this tree I commanded you not to eat from? The immediate effects of the fall. First, they realize they're naked. Like, how do you not know you're naked? I don't know that. But this communion with God is broken. This communion with God is broken. And for the first time in human history, you see this guilt and shame just, just roll in like a flood. I mean, they hide. They denied. They shifted blame. Adam's like, this woman you gave me, he did it, she made me do it, you know. <laughs> but we also see the lasting effects of the fall like this. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, so that's anger and distrust, 
between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And that's a complex verse that we're going to come back to. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. Sorry, ladies. With painful toil, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, finally get to Adam. Because you listened to your wife, and you ate from this tree that I commanded you not to eat from. And this is interesting. Cursed is the ground. Not cursed are you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. These are the lasting effects of the fall. It's a huge tragedy, man. All the potential that creation held, all the beauty that God had created is threatened. This partnership that humanity was supposed to have with God is strained because there must be consequences for sin. And we would like to think if we were Adam and Eve, if we were in that garden, we would still be in the garden, right? Just living it up. Didn't even know you were naked. Like this is what my son used to say. I didn't even know I was naked, Daddy. How do you not know that? <laughs> it's him and Adam and Eve are the only three people that can do that, apparently. <laughs> but it's super strange. And you would like to think maybe, just maybe, I, I would never have sinned if I was in the garden. And I hope, if you're really honest with yourself, at least for me, I'd probably be out of the garden pretty quick. God's like, I'm not even done with the trees yet, Adam. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but unfortunately, we see this repeated pattern of Genesis all throughout the book of Genesis. We see this repeated pattern in our lives. We see this repeated pattern in the, same, in the story of Cain and Abel. We see this repeated pattern in the story of Noah. And you should read those stories because we're going to talk about Noah next week, but it's this pattern of humanity trusting in themselves for what is good and what is not good, rather than trusting in God for what is good and not good. And I really wish that that video I was talking about, the Netflix video, we could watch that because it would be really cool because it'd be like a big guy kind of like me standing on top of a mountain and that would represent Adam and Eve and then that guy would fall for a little while and then it would come into Cain and Abel and maybe you get your footing a little bit and then they would fall and then it would come to like Noah and then, and then Abraham and so on and so on. If only, if only there was a video. Oh. And really, that's the story of the Old Testament <laughs> to the New Testament. And somewhere, hopefully, by your laughter, I can see you might see some of this in your lives at one point or another. But rebellion, it's the story of the world. And that video is funny, but it's also, if you really think about it, it's the story of Genesis. And it's our story. Because we start to try and define what is good and what is not good for ourselves. Or we just get tired of waiting on God and we just take something that we think is good because God has taken too long, right? 
And it's in this tension, man, and it's in this struggle that you actually are back in the garden. This is your opportunity to be in the garden. You didn't know you'd go all the way back to the garden today, did you? It's not just on Thursday nights here at Grace. You can do that every day, right? But this struggle within ourselves takes us to the garden, and there we are in the garden, and we are Adam and Eve. Like, we get to decide, are we going to trust God, or are we just going to take something that we think is God, that we think is good for us? And these are the consequences of sin. And like I said, they were immediate and resounding, which means they go out, and they're still impacting our lives today. And this is beautiful to me, because on the third page of my Bible, in Genesis 3, 15, God gives us some hope. God says to the serpent, and I will put enmity, that's hatred and anger and disdain, I mean, super angry, between you and the woman, and the woman is Eve, and between your offspring and hers. But he, being Jesus, will crush the head. But Satan's going to try and take him out. So even in these consequences, let's unpack this for a second. Even in the consequences of our sin and rebellion, God says, I have to give you guys some hope. Now, on page 3 of Genesis, he starts to unfold the story of Jesus, the story of a Savior that is to come. And God says, yeah, you're going to try and strike, and you're going to try and defeat me. Evil's going to do its best. But eventually, through the lineage of Eve, who got a bad rap, but through her lineage, Jesus will be born. And Jesus will crush the head of the enemy. He's actually already done it. But once again, there's this foreshadowing of Jesus. Jesus crushes sin for us all. Jesus crushes sin and offers us a chance to redeem humanity for us all. And maybe this verse, because this, this is a deep verse. Maybe this next verse from Romans will like, help us all understand this a little better. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, that would be Adam, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, that would be Jesus, the many will be made righteous. So God, this, this beautiful story, even in our disobedience, God was making a way for us. Even in our disobedience, he was making a way for humanity to partner with him again. And now, here we are, we're back in the garden again, right? But now the tree's gone and Jesus is standing there. And now you get to decide whether you want to put your faith in Jesus or not. Like you get to decide. You're now in the garden standing in front of Jesus and you get to de like decide if you're going to define what is good and what is not good for your life. Or if you're going to ask Jesus, help me. Help me to figure out what is good and what is not. Because I'm not doing a very good job. I keep falling down this giant hill. But God's offer in Genesis 3 is clear. He offers us a Savior that is to come. 
He offers salvation for everyone who will choose to put their faith in Jesus. He offers to help us see what is good and what is not good for our lives through Jesus. And he offers us a chance to spend forever with Jesus, with God for eternity through faith in Jesus. But here we are. We're back in the garden this morning, right? And we get the chance, like we get to choose. And this is kind of a tense situation and and it's kind of, you know. And that's my prayer. I've been praying so hard this week because I lived a long time away from a life with Jesus. And I tried to decide what is good and what is not good. And it about killed me and I ended up losing a leg. And I was lucky. And that's my prayer for all of you. Not to lose a leg. Not that far, right? But my prayer is for all of you is if you don't know Jesus, then give him a shot. If you want to talk about Jesus, come and see us. When you know Jesus, it helps you understand this Genesis story so much more clear. And Jesus will help you discern what is good and what is not good for your life. Amen.